0: Hi, I'm Frank Ferris, one of the principals of the Palliative Care Interdisciplinary Curriculum. I want to personally thank you for joining us for this module in our series on Symptom Management.
1: So my name's Todd, I think I've met everybody. Um, I'm one of the attendings um, mainly over in the Ross at Ohio State. So this was a lecture that was very, very mini lecture um, that the fellows from last year requested on a much more large scale. Um, So we'll see if we can stretch this into 45 minutes, but I'm not certain that we can. Um, So who in the room has had an actual lecture on itching? Excluding the one, if you're on service with me. So it is a topic that I went all through training and actually never really got any information about itching and it's a symptom that can cause really significant distress if patients are experiencing it. Um, So we are starting to understand some of the neurobiology for how itching happens, um, but a lot of the actual science behind treatment is still kind of anecdotal and based on what we know about the neuroscience for how it happens. Um, But in order to understand itching, we need to review pain, and it's something that will be on your boards, and it's something that um, we really truly need to understand well uh, in the, the world of palliative medicine. So, what is itching? Very uncomfortable
0: feeling.
1: So, what are the two big? So, there's a physical and an emotional component of itching. So, it's it's a it's an actual physical stimulus that. Um, that you interpret and causes you to scratch. So there's two really important components to that. If you think about it, there's an itching component and a scratching component. And so just in thinking that of that alone, you know that itching and pain are related to one another. Because the way that you fix an itch is by mechanical discomfort. So... If you can think of that throughout, throughout this time, it helps to understand some of the, the reasons that itching happens with some of our medications, um, as well as how you treat itching. The other way that we know pain and itching are, are related is that uh, individuals that are born with a con- congenital inability to experience pain also have the congenital inability to experience itching. So that tells us that the pathways to the brain are related um, as well. But you also recognize that the pathway is the same, but they're inversely related, right? Because if you're experiencing an itch, you try to induce discomfort so that you feel better. Um, So that's important to, to kind of think about. There are two hypotheses for how itching happens. So one is the labeled line hypothesis. And that's, you can think about it more in this way. And then there's the conglomerate. So basically, one theory says that something happens, stimulates the trigger, the trigger goes to the brain, you experience an itch, and it's done. Uh, the conglomerate is that it's not that pretty and nice and neat, and that it's actually a, a conglomerate of effects that happen in the nerves um, that your brain interprets as, as an itch. And there's a little bit of evidence for both, and we'll kind of go through some of those. So before we start, let's review pain. So what are some fibers that, ex- that are responsible for the experiencing of pain? There are two big ones. C
2: fibers?
1: Correct. So these are the C fibers. Okay. So there are two types of C fibers. Um, there's the C mic, which, which is the C fiber that's mechanically insensitive. Okay. And the polymodal C fibers, which are the, me- the mechanical C fibers. Okay, and what's, what's what kind of pain do C fibers create?
0: Mechanical, fertile, and chemical.
1: Yes. And what are they what are they um, are they fast? Are they slow? What do the nerves look like? They're non
2: myelinated
1: Correct. What's our other big one? Like you put your hand on a stove, you slice your finger. It's the very so it's the opposite, right? It's really rapid. It helps you. A delta? Yep. Alpha Delta. Okay. So we have the chronic slow burning sensation. We have the acute sharp Intense fast sensation. So you've got these three kinds of fibers that and, um, kind of so they transmit to where? They have their dorsal root ganglia here and go into where do they go into the, the spinal cord? It's the, dorsal. the dorsal horn. And then they meet with another neuron. And where does that neuron go? Back to neuroanatomy. Decussates, crosses to the other side of the body, and goes up the anterior lateral. what track? Mm. Spinoflammic. Okay? So it goes up to the thalamus, and then it goes up to the brain. Where you say, ouch. Okay? So, which one do you think Clearly I have it drawn up here, but which one do you think is involved in itching? Do you think it's fast and acute, or do you think it's more chronic and indolent? Yeah, So it's the C fibers. So we're going to be talking mostly about C fibers today and how they are related to itching. So um, so they have they are identical pathways because we only have one C fiber. So both pain and itching, are transmitted through the same fibers. Um, so, <clears throat> the c fibers are the mechanically insensitive fibers. Are the ones that respond to histamine. Okay. And the polymodal C fibers have no histamine. So this is going to be how you start to identify what type of itch you have, what is the source of your itch, and starting the process of determining how you're going to treat this itch. Okay? So one fiber is mechanically insensitive, and it responds to histamine. The polymodal C fibers, they're mechanically sensitive, and they respond to noxious stimuli without the use of histamine. Okay. We're going to go through some of the some of the the studies that they did to try to explain some of these. Um, so how do we know? So how do we know that these that these C fibers are involved? So we did. They've done mice studies where they looked at this common protein, the T P V R one protein. And this is something that's going to be really important, I think, in the future development of drugs for itching that we might see over, over our lifetime. So if, if you knocked out this, TP, this TPVR1 gene in mice, um, you had a complete, you had a reduction in, it, in itching. And it's really interesting how they do these studies. They, they take the mice and it's all behavioral so they they do they they do the intervention and then they physically watch like how many times the mice scratch when they induce some sort of itching so if it's the histamine pathway they'll like inject histamine under the mice under the mice in their skin and watch how many times they scratch in a minute um and for the other this this mechanism they often use a chemi- chemical called cowhage which is a known trigger of this Ar2 receptor um, that causes a mechanical itch. So we know two ways that we can produce itching in different ways. So we have a non-histamine response cowhage and we have a histamine response um, histamine. Okay. Everybody following this so far? It's a lot of it's a lot of chemicals. Mm-hmm. All right. So if we knock out the the TP VR gene, um, you get reduced scratching, and we also know that we get reduced calcium in the dorsal horn of the spinal cord, okay? So if we, we know that this is critically important in both pathways for itching. Somehow you have to get to a C-fiber, you have to activate the TPVR1 receptor which causes activation of phospholipase C, which causes depolarization of your C fiber.
2: You refer to these mouse studies that they have reduced itching, but mm-hmm. so they still have scratching. Correct.
1: Okay. Which is why we think that it's more of a conglomerate than a pure labeled line, okay? Um, so in the in the the mice that still have the, the TPVR1 gene, um, the scratching can be reversed by um, an antagonist. So you can give them the histamine, make them scratch, make them scratch, make them scratch, and then you can give a drug that is an antagonist to the, T-P-V-R- the TPVR1, and they start to have a drastic reduce, reduce in itching. They also can see that when you give them the histamine, they have an increase in calcium in the dorsal horn of their spinal cord, um, in the dorsal root ganglia, um, and then when you give them the antagonist, the calcium drops and the mouse stops scratching. So that's how they've identified that these two fibers are really directly involved, and that this this um, receptor is really critically important. So when you start to look at um, when you start to look at other mechanisms, so this is a this is really going back to cell biology, folks. So this is a seven transmembrane receptor. And so there are a lot of mechanical um, mechanical stimuli that cause cleaving of the, the nitrogen end of the seven transmembrane receptor that then comes over and activates the common itching pathway that then activates the protein lipase C. This one is an influx of, of potassium that then goes on to an influx of calcium, okay? So, something comes in, binds, cleaves this protein, activates the itching, activates the protein lipase C, and causes the nerve to fire. In this one, you have some sort of histamine response that comes in and binds to the H1 or the H4 receptor, those are the two that we know are, are activated in itching, H2 and H3, through my studies, have not been found to be important in itching, so it's H1 and H4. Um, comes in, act, causes activation of protein, or causes activation of the TPVR1 gene receptor, activation of protein lipase C, causes depolarization of the cell. So this is pretty much, this is a pretty common pathway. Okay um, other mechanisms so in this conglomerate, so we know that other things can also activate this fiber, okay um, there's a drug called chloroquine, and so if anybody ever practices international health um, or international palliative medicine if you have if you go abroad and people are having severe itching from chloroquine. Um, They've done, they've done immunoassays where they know that chloroquine binds to the mechanical insensitive fiber. It's not an actual direct irritant. It binds to this fiber, but is involved in a different pathway that's non-histamine mediated, and causes an activation of another receptor on that that then activates the TPVR1 gene and causes, um, and causes depolarization. Okay. I see a lot of confused faces. Where are we lost so far?
0: You said that TPVR in this mouse studies was blocked by an antagonist. Correct. Is that a drug that's available?
1: It's not. Which is where I think, <laughs> where I think it's headed, honestly. You have questions?
2: I'm trying to think ahead about and uh analgesics causing if, it, if it's inverse how you know just trying to see it from the other
1: end. So this is where we go. Alright. So think about this in the skin. So the the mechanical fibers are a little bit more in the in the dermis. Right? The chemical receptors are sorry, in the epidermis. The um the histamine receptors are more in the dermis, which is important for when we think about the kinds of itching later on. They're gonna come down here. We have the same as pain. We know in this, in this region um, through other animal models, which this one's probably not as important. Um, sorry. So this one is all, um, I don't want to give you the wrong. So it's gastrin-releasing protein receptor, so it's the GRP. And this is going to be critically important for the body's starting to understand which one is pain and which one is itching. So in mouse models, when um, the GRP is present, you can experience pain and scratching but when in grp knockout mice they did not scratch at all but they still experienced pain okay so we know that grp equals itching so this is where they this is where they started they started to try to break down exactly what what was going on because we know that it, so this this tells us that only a subset of these c fibers are probably responsible for itching but all of them are likely responsible for pain so they started to do retrograde studies where they were they were firing um, the spinal tract so they were taking they were taking if you had a response they were tracking it to the dorsal horn of the spinal cord finding it in the spinal flaminic tract and then stimulating it and only about a quarter of the the quarter of the cells in the spinal tract that transmit pain were responsible for these fibers that are itching so they're this all of these fibers can transmit pain but only about a quarter of the cells in that tract they believe have the receptors to be responsible for itching um, so it's these special prote- these special receptors likely that are responsible, and then when we get down here, they probably have a different um, cell uh, um, cell signaling pathway in the dorsal horn of the spinal cord when they start to cross over that tells the body that this is an itch and not um, painful falling so far so you either have a polymodal C fiber, fiber that's in the epidermis that's mechanically stimulated, that causes cleavage of this of this PAR2, gene, or PAR2 receptor, activates the common itching pathway, causes depolarization of the cell, and releases GRP in the dorsal horn of the spinal cord, it crosses over to the spinal thalamic tract with what we believe is a fairly unique signal for itching that goes to the brain isn't interpreted as an itch. Same with this one. You can either get histamine-mediated itching or non-histamine-mediated itching through this um, mechanically insensitive C-fiber that are a little deeper in the dermis, causes activation of the TPVR1 receptor. Same thing, activates the itching pathway, gets down here, and they both release GRP goes over to the spinal thalamic tract, and then goes up to the brain. So now we go to the other parts. So now they're trying to figure out, okay, so we know that, we know mostly how itching gets to the brain and you're interpreted as an itch. So now we need to go to the nociceptive pathway and coming back down. So there are a couple. Of, there are a couple of theories behind this. So one is that there's basically some sort of, of um, almost like refractory period from the scratch because we know that they both stimulate pain and itching. Um, that when you physically start to scratch that you activate these pathways and it starts to respond to the pain rather than the itch and when you get down here it's not releasing the itching pathway, it's converting more to pain. If there's a constant stimulus though, it doesn't make sense, some of that doesn't make sense for how if you have like a scratch in the middle of the day that you scratch and it doesn't convert right back over to itching. So the theory is that there's some sort of CNS involvement and so they did PET imaging. And we know that when there is, when there is a, an itch that goes all the way up to the cortex. When it goes, when you have pain goes all the way up to the cortex. But when you have pain and itching simultaneously, you have activation of of an area in the periaqueductal gray matter that they think is now then responsible for sending another response down the spinal cord and potentially activates an inhibitory interneuron that basically tells you to stop this itching transmission. There's some evidence that the, the para-aqueductal gray matter involves nitric oxide. This is probably why you itch sometimes when you take sildenafil. Um, and um, there is also evidence that cannabinoids are, um, are responsible, especially, especially cannabidiol. So there's, there's a theory that it transmits both pain when, you, when you're scratching that pain and itching are both reaching the thalamus at the same time. It activates an area in the periaqueductal gray matter that releases an endogenous endogenous um, cannabinoids that then limit or activate this um, inhibitory interneuron so that you experience the, the discomfort of the scratching and stop the, the pathway for itching. There's one kind of loose study out of Israel that, that was using cannabidiol for, for itching and showed some effect so then we get to opioids, so what do opioids do? They can cause itching how do you think they do it? That's correct. And so that's the theory on... So opioids can, can produce itching in a couple of ways, um, but one, one theory is that it's just it's blocking some of the signal of the transmission of the pain response to the thalamus. Um, so when you bind to the, the mu opioid receptor, you prevent depolarization of, of that pain response, so they're both not reaching the thalamus, and so then you have really more uncontrolled itching, so even at baseline. All right. So, who needs a who needs another summary of that? Are we good? You won't remember this all, but I just want you to get kind of the, the gist of where we're going with this. So
2: how do you explain
1: all the key literature for the Narcan drip on a PCA? Is it just to kind of free up some of that opioid pathway? I think, yes. Mm-hmm. That's that's the... so a lot of, So, we'll get into... We'll get into that when we get, we're gonna talk about some kinds of itching. So let's come up with some ways that people itch. What are some, what are some reasons that your patients itch? I actually don't get a lot of experience in this, but at other hospitals in palliative, I think you will. Burns. Um, chronic rat. And so I'm going to put this in the category of chronic rashes. Chronic urticaria. Which, in the peds world, you're going to see more of. And these viral infections that cause years of urticaria are extremely uncomfortable. Yes,
0: yeah.
1: All right. So, um, start with urticaria. This one's pretty, pretty simple. And then opioids, right? Histamine. Histamine. So, how do we know? How do we? N- Let's think about this, too. So what, what's an urticaria? It's a, wheel. a wheel and a, what's the red part around it? Wheel and a flare. Okay, So the wheel is the direct acting of histamine. And we know that it's a mic fiber, because mic fibers, as opposed to polymodal C fibers, C, CMI fibers are very diffuse and they have large branching dendrites. So the, the central acting part of the histamine is the wheel and the flare is the, va- the neurogenic edema that you get from the, the network of dendrites around the direct histamine response. Okay, so we know that we're acting on this pathway. So how would you treat it? And what's that acting on? It's the
2: histamine.
1: Which one? Yep. So Benadryl is H one. So Benadryl, or for those watching diphenhydramine. So we don't really have any drugs right now that respond to the H four receptor. So There are two classes. There's the first generation sedating antihistamines. There's the second generation um, non-sedating antihistamines, but both act on H1. So there's really no reason that you should ever use a sedating antihistamine for itching as opposed to a non-sedating antihistamine for itching. If the sedating one's working, it's probably just because it's making them tired and they're forgetting that they itch. Um, You do need to remember that this is dose-dependent. So for people that have like chronic urticaria or some of these chronic um, chronic rashes that are re- that are causing histamine release, it's just continuing to to release histamine, and so th- it's dose dependent. So if you have more histamine, it's going to displace your antihistamine on on the receptor. So sometimes you have you have breakthrough itching on top of your antihistamines, and you have to push the dose a lot higher um, for these chronic rashes than you do with um, with allergies. So you just got to watch for, for your antico- anticholinergic side effects, but sometimes you have to push and do like BID dosing if you're going to do cetirizine or loratadine. Um, or you can pair like a more sedating agent at night with, you know, you can do like um or cetir- cetirizine in the morning and as you get through to the evening, maybe you get a dose of benadryl. Um, or diphenhydramine before they go to bed, okay Burns, and some of this Yep, so chronic wounds itch like crazy, or when you start to heal from a wound, they itch, and that's just mechanical that's some of this mechanical destruction of the of the C fiber. Probably breaking down of, of some of these, and you're activating, you're activating your itch pathway. So, interestingly, not a lot of um, what we know is that there's a 5HT3 there's a 5HT3 receptor on that um, on a polymodal C fiber, and we're not so there's not a lot of um, like mouse model studies to know why it would work. But what's a, what's, a, what's a drug that we know that uh, interacts with a 5-HT3 receptor? Zofran. Zofran, yep. So there is a lot of evidence that Zofran works for chronic itching, especially related to chronic rashes or things that you think are, are interacting like with a direct noxious stimulus. So if you think it's histamine-related, Zofran's probably not going to do diddly. But if you think that it's a mechanical, a, a mechanical itch receptor, like a chronic, a chronic wound, um, some sort of chronic irritation, um, a chronic rash, that Zofran can be a good tool in your toolkit. Do you have to push the dose higher? It's about the same. Okay. Chondus. Um, so, what are some possible mechanisms for? This is probably the most fascinating thing I learned while I was doing this talk. So, one is that they think that the bile salts deposit in the skin and actually are a mechanical irritation. So, you can treat it like a chronic rash. You can treat it like um, you can treat it like a chronic itch. So, there's some evidence that 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 is the case. So, Zofran. So, that's a good one. Cholestyramine, actually binding it up in the gut so that it doesn't actually get to the location where you're causing trouble. So that's an important component. Does anybody know what it does in the CNS? What does bile do in the CNS in terms of what we've been talking about?
2: Well, it has the same effect effect as
1: connectors, like in teens. So in some ways. So when you, have, when, when you have a chronic irritation, what's one of the body's natural responses to chronic, to, to pain, but also a chronic itch? So, so how do you, why do we have, why do we have mu receptors? It's, to be, it's, it's almost like
2: a survival adaptation your body telling you something's
1: wrong. And what's the endogenous thing that opioid receptors bind? Endorphins. So there's a lot of evidence that when you have chronic hyperbilirubinemia, you have an increased level of endorphins and, you're, and you upregulate uh, your opioid receptors. And so there's some thought that um, because it's getting into the CNS just like So you're having some central upregulation of endorphins, upregulation of mu receptors, and you ultimately get an imbalance between your itching and your pain response in the thalamus. So this is where things like Nubain um, or Naloxone, chronic Naloxone therapy can be really beneficial for somebody with a chronic irritating itch or um, in, in patients with liver disease. So quite a few papers I found that show naloxone can be an effective therapy for um, chronic jaundice related itching. How does new vein
0: work?
2: Yeah. What kind of dosing are you doing
1: for the Norcan? So I will have to look. But they're they're doing um mm-hmm. The study, if I remember right, was um, dosing like you would do for chronic addiction, like for opioid addiction, where they're even using like oral naltrexone. Um, so they're, it's lower dose, chronic. I think it was. I don't, I don't want to misquote. I can look it up for you and let you know. So for bile salts, you bind them up. They're probably an irritant, so it's on the polymodal C fiber. You can use Zofran. Um, it's getting to the brain. It's causing endorphins because there's chronic irritation. You're getting an imbalance of the pain and the itching pathway. And so you can use um, some partial mu-agonist antagonists to try to, to restore that balance. Um, we've talked about opioids. So opioids, um, are are fairly interesting, so it 's the same process so in opioids we 've already talked about it, you get this imbalance of the pain in the itching pathway um, fentanyl so opioids also cause can cause just a release of histamine, so you 're probably getting a double whammy so if you um, you can get release of histamine from mast cells and they that then binds to the CMI fiber, it causes an itch pathway, but then you're also having an imbalance of the pain and the itch. So you're experiencing it much more significantly. So this is why if you're giving somebody morphine and they start to itch, they can respond really well to to um, an antihistamine. But over time, if it's chronic and they're having chronic itching from their opioids, um, it may be this imbalance of, of pain and itch pathway, okay? Um, the only the only um, opioid that doesn't, and the reason that we know that it's probably a combination of the both, is that fentanyl is the only opioid that doesn't cause a histamine release, but it still causes itching. So we know that there's some sort of central component as well as a peripheral component, because we know we clearly know that histamine release is going to cause you to itch, um, but fentanyl does not um, inter- interact with the mast cell. But it still causes itching, so we know that that's got to be some sort of central response. Okay. And what's the what's another great medication for chronic itch? Psychomadic. People scratch when
2: they're
1: anxious. Mm-hmm. Thinking something else. So think think more in terms of chronic pain. How do you? Yes. So, um, in in this, when you're having an increase in in the influx of of calcium, so anti-epileptics. So, um, it basically raises the action potential. It raises the threshold for the action potential needed to fire um, in the in the dorsal horn, and when this this nerve is crossing over. So gabapentin is a really great addition for any sort of chronic itching because it acts it acts in a common pathway after the the GRP receptor, and and it can be excellent. Okay. So always, always, always think of gabapentin if it's a chronic itch, if it's an itch lasting seven more than seven days. There is a there is a common pathway component um, that can hopefully you can hopefully downregulate with gabapentin. Okay. And then you've got your others. You've got things like um, lidocaine or topicals that that act on the influx of sodium as the action potential is propagating towards dorsal and spinal cord. So topical agents, if it if it numbs, that's a nice thing. If you think about it, like you know that all of these fibers transmit pain. Part of them transmit itching. So if you can stop, locally stop the pain before it gets to the spinal cord, you're going to stop the itching as well. So things like capsaicin, also good for itching. The reason that we don't use it as much for itching is because they're probably scratching all the time. And if you have broken skin, it's going to be really miserable. But all of these, all of these are going to, if you, can stop, if you can stop the transmission all the way to the spinal cord, you're going to, you're going to improve the symptom. Okay. All right. So, what are some mechanisms? Let's review just a little bit. So, how can how can opioids cause itching? There are two mechanisms.
2: Imbalance of signal, direct histamine release.
1: Yep. So, what are some ways that you could treat it?
2: Antihistamine.
1: Antihistamine, and yeah, decrease your
2: opioids.
1: Decrease your opioids. Or a partial mu agonist antagonist. Okay. Chronic urticaria. Oh, go ahead. What
2: about like uh, the kappa receptors?
1: So I didn't come across much about that.
2: Yeah, I think it's, it's the, like, there's like, a nasal
1: spray that's like, uh, Yes. Yeah, so I that I don't know. And some of these are some of these are based off like three or four papers because there isn't a lot of money in itching, unfortunately. Yeah.
2: Career
1: funding. chronic urticaria. Histamine Histamine. Histamine. And in theory, non sedating antihistamines should be as good as sedating antihistamines and if you're getting a response from the sedating, it's probably kind of that psychogenic effect of the you know, you're at least getting some relief because you're tired and asleep. Um, eczema,
2: histamine.
1: histamine, but also it's kind of chronically scaly and open, so it's probably a combination of both. So you might get some bang for your buck from Zofran. You might get some relief from histamines. That one's probably. Gabapentin as well, if somebody's really got chronic eczema that's that's terrible. And then jaundice. Cholestyramine. so absorb the bile salts before they get there. Mm-hmm. If it gets there and it's causing irritation. Hmm? Zofran. Zofran can be helpful. Um, and if it's lasting a long time. Gabapentin. Um, You could probably use something centrally acting because you're also getting the increased endorphins, so some partial mu-agonist antagonist or just mu-antagonist would be helpful. And um, remember it's your H1 receptor. This is the one that as I've started looking at some board stuff, that one's been asked a little bit more because I think that was one of the First studies that really came out for itching is that it's the H1 and H4 pathway, and that all of our antihistamines act on H1. So it's important to know that I think for for kind of board type studies. I really think that in the future. So um, I know somebody from my training that's working a lot with this GRP um, receptor and looking at this because we know that this is kind of where all of the itching pathways converge. So if there is some way to develop some sort of blocking agent that we could potentially block itch centrally, and I think that's a drug that you'll see come out someday in our lifetime. And then same with the the TPVR1 gene, um, that that that's also a common pathway that I think, like you said, we have it for mouse models, but it's not really a drug that we're actively using. No I kind of skipped that over because i I don't really know i um I mean I guess I kind this is kind of how I go through itching in my brain, so I can't think of anything that would really be a histamine mediated response for that but I'm wondering if like uremia causes direct irritation because you get those like I know you get like uremic crystals form so that's probably I don't know i don't I honestly don't know but I've that's had,
2: I've had patients where it's been really debilitating in instinctive disease and aside from dialysis and
1: would be So like we had a patient the other day that was that was having this um and we did zofran and gabapentin. Yeah. If it she she got a lot of relief from the gabapentin. So those are the kinds when I don't when we don't I think really truly understand the pathway, I go a lot more central. So if it's something that's chronic like that, I use more of the gabapentin or, or even consider some, something like a mute agonist-antagonist because um, you know that that should work for all, all types of itching, especially if it's debilitating.
2: You, we were, you mentioned earlier um, the phosphodiesterase inhibitors. As far as like topical eucrissa, we, we mentioned that it was a centrally mediated response. How would the topical medicine affect That central modulation of the
1: signal. I have no idea. What
2: is your question? Yeah. It's a it's an anti phospholipid pde four topical medication for
1: I think some eczema. Yeah, like you to But I don't know if that's just treating the underlying inflammatory mechanism that's causing the the eczema, or it's probably not just the itch. It's it probably like it's, more the... It
2: seems like it's more like the receptor level on inflammation as opposed to the actual correct. modulation
1: of it. I mean, they're also involved in... So like bradykinin's Bradykinins on the pain side of things, bradykinin's act in here at the PLA2 to cause inflammation and chronic pain. Um, so some of those are probably upstream preventing the inflammatory response before it even triggers these. It's like down regulations of the the inflammatory cytokines.
2: One comment, one question. Um, The comment relates to capsaicin. Recently I had seen an interesting commentary talking about proposed mechanism for cannabis withdrawal um, where kind of the test question is the warm shower. Uh, relieve symptoms, and there's an endocannabinoid receptor in the skin that is thermally activated above something like 102 degrees. And so that's why we all like hot showers. Um, but capsaicin has shown to act on that receptor as well, endocannabinoid. Mm-hmm. My, my question relates to, did you run across substance P, Neurokinin-1, um, anecdotally with some evidence Support. we treated a patient with a repetiin the narcanin one inhibitor um, with really good effect
1: this year for itching, so it probably goes back to that all of them all of them are responsible for pain and but only a subset when we think about a quarter are also responsible for itching so if you can if you can block signal transduction from a pain perspective you 're also going to you're also going to Block the signal transduction for itching, so that's kind of how sub, that's how capsaicin works, right? You you release all the substance P, and you're not going to actually get you could get depolarization, but you're not going to get any release of substance P when you get to the the interneuron. And so if if all of them are kind of exhausted from a pain perspective, then you're not going to be able to to itch. So that's kind of how I would. Hypothesize that we, I didn't come across anything other than it talks about that's in some of these mouse studies. That's kind of their go-to is like they know that if they put capsaicin on, you've kind of exhausted all of those all those C fibers, and then you can eliminate the itch. It's
2: interesting the way you describe that. Is, it sounds as if you were turning on that interneuron inhibition. Yeah. In the case reports of using Repetent, it's it's kind of an interesting dosing. It's, it's it's every other day for three doses, and then you're done, and your relief persists. So, similar to when you turn on, perhaps your yeah brain matter
1: persists. Because so that was interesting. Like you, there's got to be some sort of central. Like if your clothes are making you itch, you itch it, but. In theory, whatever got in there to irritate it is still there, and so it really cancels out the pathway, so there's got to be some sort of peripheral and central response involved.
0: Thanks again for tuning in. I hope you'll rate and review this podcast and share it with your colleagues and your friends. So you don't miss any of our new content, make sure you are subscribing to PCIC Podcasts. PCIC is sponsored by PALMED, where our aim is to advance palliative care globally and ensure all clinicians have the latest knowledge and skill. To access more PCIC content, please visit palmed.us to review our extensive open-access PCIC curriculum.